For the newly indoctrinated, Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files follows the story of a professional wizard in Chicago. We've started our podcast as a way to help break down the series' most important moments, characters, and lore. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's podcast brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode number 12, Sightseeing. My name is Tanzan and I am joined by Maggie. Welcome. And Jess. Hey. Chapter 24. Harry drives to the lake house, managing to outspeed the coming storm. Before entering the house, Dresden uses his sight to see the house for what it is, and sees all the dark energy emanating from the house. Dresden nearly loses control of his anger, but is reminded of what it is to be a wizard. So chapter 24, Dresden manages to make it in the Trans Am without dying either by car accident or by storm. By mortal or mystical means, which is mundane. Highly impressive. It is, considering he says he gets the car up to 130 miles an hour at some point. How many kilometers is that? Like, double. Too many. It's like <laughs> 1.6. 1.6 or 1.2? 1.6. 1.6. 6. Okay. So, yeah, that many more kilometers. Way lots. Yeah. My math is shit, but I know that's fast. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Yeah, not killing speed. himself or anyone else on the road. He, he, well, yeah, and he mentions he's in like... In the middle thank, of the rain, too. He's like, thank God it's Sunday and there's not a lot of traffic. And also, I'm pretty sure it was shift change because none of the cops bothered to stop me. So, thank God for that, too. Because, <laughs> I mean, Justin couldn't afford a, a speeding ticket on the best of days, let alone at fucking like 130. He couldn't afford a for the car or a cab. <laughs> right. In fact, I'm pretty sure if he stopped for a steak sandwich, that Mac would be like, no. No. <laughs> you don't Your have- tab is maxed. <laughs> right. I want that car back detailed. I was about to <laughs> say, though. Perfection. I was like, I was like he, steak sandwich or no car. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, he like, like when he finally is like approaching his exit to the lake house, he, you know, like, I start to slow down and just like hydroplane. And, but, you know, he managed with like a lot more calm and cool than he felt. So good old good driving habit instincts. All Learn them tires. early, people. Um, yeah. So makes does make it there. So just managed. I think once he crosses into Michigan is when he starts to outpace the storm because he is driving through it through, and it's not that long before he gets to the lake house. So somewhere around the border, or just before, just after, or something, he does manage to outstrip the storm. So he buys himself a little bit of time because Vicky Boy needs that. Um, and yeah, he gets there and decides he needs an edge because he didn't really find out a lot back in like chapter six, five, six when he was originally out there to check it out. So this time he decides to go with the big guns and he opens his sight. Right, I have. I, I want to read this chapter or this. Uh, the, like, I almost want to <laughs> uh-huh. read the entire chapter because I have Ta- so many quotes from it. Time to I- skip to two times speed, people. For right. The next. Okay. So, so I'm going to read this here. I felt as though a, th- a veil of thick cloth had been lifted away from me as I opened my eyes again. Not only from my eyes, but from all of my senses, I could abruptly smell the mud and fish odor of the lake, the trees around the house, the fresh scent of the coming rain preceding the the storm on the smoke-stained wind. I looked at the trees, saw them, not just in the first 
green coat of spring, but in full bloom of summer, the splendor of the fall and the barren desolation of winter, all at the same time. I saw the house, I saw each separate part of its own component, the timbers as part of spectral trees, the windows as pieces of sandy shores. I could feel the heat of summer and the cold of winter and the winter and the wind coming off the lake. I saw the house wreathed in ghostly flames, and I knew that those parts of its possible future that fire lay down several many paths of the possibility that lay ahead in the next hour. Like what a wonderful, yeah. beautiful passage. Yeah. And so, there's so much packed within it. And right followed up after it is just uh, a few pages and pages of Jim Butcher setting the scene for this dark and scary imagery as well that comes with it. Everything that he sees with it too. It's Yeah, like it, the site gives you like the present, uh, the past and the future all in one, all, one all layered it. over, right? So yeah, I did kind of like with the with the the windows, like the sands of distant shore. You know, these bits of glass originally started as you know, and yeah, it's right. very it's, insane. It's just a lot of juxtapositions, just just many layered juxtapositions. Layered on, on totally, and again, like Jim Butcher goes on for a while, just building and building and building and building. It's it's a, a significant amount of imagery goes into just describing. Because yeah. once you get through uh, that initial part, he goes on to describe how like there's skulls everywhere and it's covered in moss and it's covered in dark and evil and you can see the ghostly spirits and you can see the the lust and the greed and the sludgy and and it's everywhere and it encompasses the entire being of the physical manifestation of the house uh, both for the spirit world and the physical world and again the past present and future it's every aspect of this place is just evil and dark but also powerful yeah it is a it is a all-encompassing place that, you know, to Harry's senses right off the bat is very much both intriguing and terrifying. Almost an omnipresence that's to the site. Like, that it's just, it just hasn't really got a bias to it. It's just that that it gives you Every aspect of it at that of what you're looking at. Which yeah, is he, the main problem with it. <laughs> yeah, he basically he describes it as seeing things for what they really are. Like when he's talking to Monica, and Monica says Victor first came to her and gave her the three eye when he was first developing it, and that's Dresden's take. He's like, oh my god, I I feel bad that you know for her to suddenly have that thrust upon her. And to see her husband for who he really is, right? So you do get a sort of poetic license with in in how that is displayed to your senses um but essentially that's what the site is for it's to break and that's why he opens it here and now because he wants to see the truth of what's going on here he doesn't want to see the bricks and stones of the mundane mortal world that the house is just a house but when he opens his site he sees the essence the truth Mm. that dark magic has been brewing here for a long time it has seeped in it has laid roots it is established it's sunk into the foundation like this this is is what monica sells and linda randall and tommy tom have all stared at themselves while they were on that drug and who knows who else yeah you know this isn't they were yeah harry's not the first to witness this this has kind of been why it's so addicting Mm -hmm. because you get to see everything yeah it's like the eyes of god or goddess Mm -hmm. depending on your you know and your take her 
Um, but yeah, exactly. And and in this particular case, not so good because Victor has not been doing good things with it. Or the eyes of the devil. Right. And that's basically what you're getting. That's the filter on this one right here. Um, but, you know, Harry's like, it's great if you happen to look upon you know, a good fairy or something like, the, you know, a little wood sprite or something doing. He's like, it can be amazing and beautiful and heartrending and, you know, but you look at this crap and it's mind-bending in a bad way and it always, 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 always stays with you. This is the thing is you can never, you know, time and memory and, and drugs and alcohol will never diminish this. And more on that is that as this chapter carries on too, there's a moment where Harry has that you know, this builds on you so much and it can be so hard to resist. Even he himself is like, there's so much power here. And he has a moment where you find out that backstory of like Harry's oh, seen this power, had it in his near grasp before and had to walk to away him, before. Yeah. And there's that little bit of dark temptation with him again where he's like, it's here again. This is another chance to take mm. it up again. And it's very much that like, even though he knows the risks and he knows the Consequence. consequences, it's still something that even he struggles to grapple with. Because once it's right there, once you're in the and third I, eye and you're looking at all of that sheer mass of everything, it's incredibly overpowering. I think that's even his, yeah, his line. He's like, uh, consequences be damned, right? So he knows, because he knows he's already on a real thin line with the council. They're already like literally breathing down his neck. They're showing up tomorrow morning to pronounce well, judgment on him. Even already. as after he... At the end of the last chapter, two twenty three, you know, he says, he's like, I turned away, my bridge is burning behind me. And it was, really, it does set up to ex assume that, what he's got to lose now? Yeah. Well, that's it, right? Exactly. He's like, it's right there, all it. And again, like we've talked about, Harry says himself, he's like, he's not real good at like, necessarily the finesse and the fight. He's not good at really delicate, intricate work. But he's a powerhouse, and he's like, there's so much friggin' power built up here, and because, you know, I guess maybe the nature of the dark, you know, again, uh, working with good forces, it's a little bit harder, it's a little bit trickier to do the right thing and to do right, but you want to, you know, building is hard, destroying is easy. There's, he, a, there's a point, too, where you see, like, as you go on with the series, you get more and more examples of this, but I find even at the beginning, you can start to see this, like, same as how, like, an asteroid, you know, a star becomes a planet by it gets a little bit of gravitational force and it starts to become its own magnetic force field. I find that Harry, you know, even from the very beginning, you can find that power is attracted to Harry mm -hmm. as much as he's attracted to power. Mm -hmm. And I find that it's like, it, it, it's not always Harry that goes seeking it, but it often finds him either way. It, and he has a big issue with turning it down often for better or in worse. His path, yeah. And, it's it's just something that even even early on and even in Stormfront, you know, Harry, you see him basically stumbling upon great masses of power and yeah. constantly being thrown within what's too much, what's too little, what can I accept, what do I need to deny? And again, if that's the natural course of things or his personality in the sense that exactly like I say, you know, he says it was first thrust upon him at like 16 with this mentor dangling it in front of him at the time he's like i mean partially because he was young and scared he's like i don't you know there was i'm sure some morality to this is wrong but it was also a little bit of like i don't really know like i'm just gonna uh, you know but exactly the more he encounters it you know so he matures and knows what can come with that but he also knows 
more of the bad, you know, he's like, I've been having this presented to me, pushed at me, thrown in my path. It's harder and harder to kid. say no. Yeah, like, why does it keep coming up? And now that... And, and even as we started this book, you know, he seemed like a grumpy, you know, like 30, 40, 50 year old <laughs> wizard, well in his prime, done with the world. But, yeah. but he's really only a 25 year old. And again, we again in episode one, we spoke about the arrogance of a 25 year old man who thinks that he's got all this. So I think even more, you know, like when you think about a guy nearly a decade later from the first time he's turned down real power and probably every yeah. night since then, he thought, but what if, what if that every time now it's like, well, now I can surely handle it. Like, sure, it was good of me at 16 to say no. But if I had another chance again, like. And especially now with this uh, burnt bridges in the background and, like, your murder is, like, within the hour and... Right. And, I mean, and, I mean... Well, yeah, we get to that 11th hour time and time again in the Dresden Files, you know? Like, the entire books are the 11th hour. One of the things that, that I love about Dresden is that despite all of that, with all of the, the, the things that he's come across and, and he's at the, this sort of bottom... Of, of his rope he, he still is so positive like after, like there's a passage that after he he finishes the site he has to, he closes it and and then he clarifies that despite the site the future is always something that can be changed mm-hmm. that quote nobody had to die tonight it didn't have to come to that not for them and not for me it's this unending sense of positivity that comes from Dresden that's so wonderful but somebody would die <laughs> yes and no, um, because he's, I mean, basically, he's first going down that path when he sees all this power and this darkness and this inevitability, right? He's like, there's flames. He's like, somewhere in the future that's out, like, out of the infinite possibilities, the majority of them ends with this place burning to the ground, right? And yeah. he's like, I could end it right here. He's like, I can just take out Victor here and now before he even knows I'm here, before he gets a chance to get a shot off at me. Um and it's it is but it's not harry that pulls him back because he's more and more considering this and like fuck this i'm screwed anyways i don't want to fight anymore i don't want i want to take the easy way i want to cheat and he gets that that hand right right because he's kind of holding his amulet and he sort of lets you know the bicycle go and is, is kind of starting to be like fuck it yeah let me just take the cheap shot let me end this right like yeah i may have to pay for it but i'll be safe and he feels that hand that, you know, mystical, ethereal, not really there, female presence, and puts the hand back on the pentacle that for him is the order, the security, the, the his faith symbol, you know, whatever it is that he believes in it. And again, that that somewhere, you know, is the one that his mother gave him. So presumably maybe this is his mother's sort of, you know, whether it's a literal external force or just his own conscious manifesting as that, you know, but it's sort of an, an extra that pulls him back from that, that he does need the reminder and he does need to sort of be brought back to that to be like, oh, yeah, right. This is why I don't want to take that route. And then he's like, OK, yeah, it doesn't have to go down like that. You know, like I can maybe still get out of this without cheating, without um, breaking the, you know. And it says, uh right after that passage too, whether or not you believe that it was a physical manifestation or if it was really subconscious or whatever that hand was, he follows it very quickly with magic as we've as we've heard through uh, a handful of times already at this point is that magic comes from inside. It's just a part of who you are and 
what you are able to do with it is a great projection of who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bringing it back to I'm not a murderer, like, I'm, I'm not... That's not why I do this. It's not who I am. And it's not where my magic comes from. And Harry very being Harry being very big on the mental aspects of the mm-hmm. manifestation of magic too. I think it was a good, you know, regardless of whether or not you think that hand was legitimate or not. Mm-hmm. At least afterwards, it is very much Harry himself who's like, okay, no, wait a second. This is defining for a whole new set of reasons. And whether or not you are safe in this, whether or not you get out of this alive, it will change you. Yeah. And that's not... He's willing to pay a certain price, but not that one. Yeah. He's... He, again, he kind of embodies that be the change in the world you want to see, you know? He's like... He knows he so easily can take the quote-unquote easy route and just smash and bash and crush everything in his path... But he, he keeps stopping himself. He keeps reminding himself. He's like, that's not the person I want to be. That's not the wizard I want to be. Like, for me, it's it it's the power of creation, not destruction. And people like Victor that use it in destructive manners goes very much, you know, his conscious moral brain is like, no. So while unconsciously the temptation is there and does its job and tempts him a lot to just take the easy way out, right, that's how Harry defines himself. He's like, ultimately, no, I don't want to be that. Even if it's the hard way, I want to do what I think is right. And I want to do as best as I can with my magic and my life and my my purpose in the world. Yeah, even further along that line, it's, you know, fuck the wizard council, fuck this, fuck that, fuck uh, anyone up to this point. I really can't list anyone without he- spoilers at this point, but it is very much like if I can't deal with myself, that's where I draw the line. That Harry is very much, even if he has to circle himself off from everyone else, he cares a whole lot about his own opinion of himself. Well, we do get to learn a little bit about the backstory in this particular chapter, about how he was tempted, we don't know by whom yet. Specifically. Specifically, we'll get there. Yes, as a child. Uh, But he was was tempted by power, and all it led to him was scorn from the White Council. Mm -hmm. But he still... Yeah, not just scorn, like a lot deeper than. But I think that's even more of it is that he was tempted by the power and said no to it, and all he ever got was hell from the council. So this is like a second chance. He's like, I can fix it with this power, and I cannot have this issue. Fuck, even if the white council doesn't forgive me, I'll at least have a chance to stand up to them. What's amazing about it is that he still has that positivity. That he still holds on to what's right. What what is what he needs to be doing and that he, that there is a possibility for th- th- something to happen that is where everybody lives yeah. despite 45 minutes after breaking a chair over Morgan's back <laughs> he's like but maybe guys this could well, all yeah, still turn really around kill him I did just want to incapacitate him but but yeah Harry- I get everything that you're saying but he just took a chair to a council member <laughs> he's still young but and his moral code though, so. his moral code is very strong for him and is his yes. driving force now it's just like you say it's his moral code so sometimes part of the council aligns with that sometimes it doesn't and when it doesn't Harry's doesn't feel a whole lot of regret or remorse or hesitation and saying, yeah, fuck you guys, you're wrong. Um, but once he has deemed something as as right or wrong by his definitions and standards, then he's, yeah, he does. He holds to that very hard and tries to do his best to toe that line. 
and be that person and not stray beyond it. But and yeah, yeah, and no spoilers, but as the series goes along to it, you really see where that that line between saying yes or no inverse to his own moral decisions, you can really see how that muddies the water as it goes on because there becomes, I mean, early on, again, and throughout all the books, you're always with Harry. We've discussed this before. Of course, you're always rooting for Harry. You're supposed to be rooting for Harry. But as we've been going through these books, it's a little bit easier now to see why other people were like, dude, like, what the fuck? Tell me what's going on. He's like, no, I can't. Just trust me. And everyone else is like, hey, no, go fuck yourself. But you've given us no reason to trust Whereas you. Whereas we're all yeah. like, no, just trust him. Shut the fuck up. Who cares? But yeah, it's a little bit easier to see like, well, no, like, you, I, again, we understand from Harry's point of view, but it's a lot easier to see that moral justification versus injustification for everyone else. Because again, when you're not following anyone else's code, it's very easy to do your own A, B, and C, but it's hard for everyone else to keep up with that because they don't know what D and E and F are yet. Yeah, so. what is your line? If you're willing to ignore council law for this, if you're willing to ignore civil law for this, then what does that mean? Make a mean, deal with right? this person and that person and well, this person. He who is can- such a crack shot because he just improvs everything that he does. Like, you don't, he doesn't know what he's going to do next. Yeah, and yeah, that's it. If you take a step back and try to look at it from a more objective you know if you try and really see okay well what is it that only murphy knows you realize oh shit not a lot like well, no and that's wonder, part of the fun right? of this podcast is like we're eventually going to get to the point where we try and figure out what the uh the three-part series finale is looking like and you know there's no idea because who the fuck knows what harry's gonna do right <laughs> yeah, exactly. who is he gonna shake hands with in Chaos the final hour theory. right it's yeah how do you predict the unpredictable mm-hmm. how do you expect the unexpected yeah yeah, but uh, but we'll yeah, but this is yeah Harry's little Harry, Harry's little moment of um, inner conflict. Well, you know. and it's how he describes magic itself, like the, the, to quote the book: "A man's magic demonstrates what sort of person he is, what is held most deeply inside him." We see that there's a, an intense duality in him, really, at this point, because there's there's that anger and lust for power. Mm-hmm. The pain that he feels versus the immense positivity mm-hmm. and the desire to do the right thing and his father and his mother's influence and whatnot. Yeah. So you see, th- th- and I love that duality that, that we that we get to experience from him. It makes him more and human. I think it's important to remember that all of what we've just spoken about is happening when he has zero magical items on him at all. His shield yes. bracelet is empty. He doesn't have his staff. It's he doesn't have right. his blasting rod. He's walking in right. there as he's mono, um, mono. I mean, he's exactly like bear. Other than you this know, is the naked his, Greek wrestling. Other than his inner magical ability, he is as mortal a man as he is going to get, really. And he's still having this, you know, like it. It, it makes a little bit more for that power fight, that imbalance, that injustice versus the this is who I really, really, truly am at my bare essentials. Right, and in some ways it's himself versus himself because Victor Sells is the that version of himself that has a lot of power, doesn't know what to do with it, and that but has chosen the wrong path whereas he himself has a lot of power, doesn't always know what to do with it because he's not that refined. He has a little bit more education than Victor Sells does, but has that sense of right and wrong. Or the opposite, sort of, he, he knows what to do with it, he just doesn't quite have he hasn't refined the skill enough to do what he wants with it. That's the thing. He sort of knows that he's got the juice to do it. It's, it's, and I mean, I think this is it. You find, like, Harry has a lot of contempt for, you know, like, whether it's 
because he's a wizard and knows things or whether it's because he's 25 and is just typical youthful arrogance or because he's lived a hard life you know in the foster system and then with this mentor that things went sideways you know but like you know he's talking about the councils being like a bunch of old fools and morgan just being their watchdog slash lap dog right like he never paints them in a very good picture he never has a lot of nice things to say he begrudgingly and it's always rather begrudgingly admits that they serve a purpose and yes ultimately they're sort of trying i mean it's kind of like how a lot of us feel about government in general you know you sort of in in general you suppose they're there trying to do the right thing and have the best interest of your country but we all have gripes and problems with how the government you know never pleases everybody and it's too set in its way and it takes too long to make change and when it does it doesn't make the right changes and yada 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 down the line right so you know like he gets stuck on that a lot like wizards live a long life but now you've got all these long-lived wizards sitting on the council remembering the heydays of you know the 1600s and the 1800s and now we're in you know 2021 and harry's like come on people are 2000 is this book but you know what i mean like but yeah, he, he doesn't have a lot of respect for, you know, any of that. And he has contempt for Victor in that exactly. It's like, well, you're suddenly making a grab at all this power you discovered, but you have no idea how to properly use it, you know, and what you could do with it. And that's where Harry is, you know, he's like, I would know what to do if I had that power. I, you know, know how I could smite my enemies. And you're like, you're being some like penny, penny, any little drug lord here thinking you're you know mr big britches but you know he's like you have no idea of what you can actually accomplish with magic mm -hmm. and you know you don't have enough training like i do to know but you don't have enough sense to do anything decent with it either like a lot of lot of contempt for things and that's where Harry i mean has to pull himself back and remind humility himself. really does draw the line and occasionally harry's on the wrong side of it but yeah. Uh, in other cases, too, like this one, sometimes Harry manages to pull back pull back, and be the bigger person occasionally. Right. Well, he sees himself as a wizard, capital W. Wizards control their power. They don't let it control them. And a wizard doesn't use magic to kill people. They use it to discover, to protect, to mend, to help, not to destroy. He's very specific. And that's what it basically comes down magic to. Magic comes from creation. He is. That is his overarching view of magic is that it In comes from form. creation mm -hmm. and that it anything that goes like against that one and only fact is inherently wrong of magic. Yeah. Well, and this is one of the things that talks him down, that he ends up dissipating his anger. Yeah. Knowing. Yeah, because he's brought back to that pentacle and yeah. what that symbolizes for him. It's the order contained, you know, all of that power and and... I forget how he describes it, sort of. But yeah, it contained in that circle and that. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit because yeah. I know we're near to the end of our discussion of the chapter, but there was so many good descriptions in this oh, book. Oh, yeah. So, or in this chapter, chapter. So many good ones. And this is this is one that that made me think a little bit. Made me think of like, Jim, why'd you write it like that? So it's the, I looked up, I looked up. On this darkling house with all of its stinking lust and fear, all of its horrid hate worm openly upon upon it in my sight, like a mantle of flayed human skin on the shoulders of a pretty girl with gorgeous hair, luscious lips, sunken eyes, and rotten teeth. It repulsed me, and it made me afraid. 
I just love how he yeah. wrote that. Love how he wrote that. But it all like it just makes me think. Why did he use the image of a pretty girl? Like, <laughs> well, you know, Medusa and, was a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous young mortal woman until she, she was Gorgon. <laughs> cursed by Aphrodite or Athena, one of them. I believe it was it was Athena it was Athena who cursed Medusa because you know Poseidon and Medusa were like ronking around in her temple and she was pissed about it so she cursed Medusa to be the Gorgon but even in that you know it it became this very beautiful very cursed uh, ending regardless and I think even in that sort of way you know you've got this something the house had a potential early on and now it's been cursed it's been darkened and tainted from outward influence on it like victors i mean as it said it's the past present and future and it's kind of painted to be this horrible horrible story even before victor got here you know it's kind of like it's got bones and skulls of plenty across this place and i don't think that that could be all of victor's doing because we've only he's only been at it for a few years and for there to be the carnage that surrounds this house you think that there has to be a dark story here already i'm well, not maybe sure he was drawn that, to it, it might just i think it's supposed to to indicate of just how much atrocity that victor has been spewing with his experiments or perhaps attracted to it even if it's only there, through the never never yeah there, the there, there is an element of that you're right it could be that victor sort of was drawn to buying that lake house at some point you know, because that had all gone down in the past, even before he started. Um, but I sort of had looked at it a little bit more before that. Yeah, just that's just how how gung ho Victor's been going, just how he's been churning it out. That's not necessarily like mortal destruction and stuff, too, right? Because you know, as we go here, um, he uses you know animals and things as as the um, vessel, you know, for carrying out. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It definitely could be the one, but I, I sort of had always looked at it more as that was sort of um, how corrupted and how fast down that dark path sort of mm-hmm. Victor went. Like, you know, just like dive in the deep end, he went whole hog. Like, as soon as he started figuring it out, he never really went in a good direction, right? He was, and I mean, like, when Monica's having that discussion with Harry, you know, she's like, God help me, was my husband. She's like, it was, he wasn't always a bad man. Like, he tried to work really hard and support the family. And I think because he knew I came from a wealthy place, like, he really tried to give that to me. And when he couldn't, you know, like, a lot of times he felt, because even before he found the magic, as I sort of, to me, what she was hinting at was that, you know, he felt like he could not always provide just keep up the lifestyle to which she was accustomed in his eyes, right? So Monica is probably fine. Like, sure, she came from a wealthy family, but, you know, she loved Victor and would have been happy to have sort of a middle-class life with him and raise a family. But Victor always saw that bar that not good enough that I need to provide more. And when he wasn't as, I don't know, successful or as quickly successful as, you know, he viewed her parents or whatever the case, right? That That's where she says, you know, he would get, like, angry and frustrated, You'll never be satisfied. Well, and that's where You'll he figured out satisfied. when it, when he was talking in the magical terms that the, that, that that anger and frustration fueled his magic even more. Well, yeah, that was it. Is that the second he found it, he was looking for how do I get richer? How do I get better? How do I get ahead? You know, it was like he already had some of that anxiety and, and self-imposed a lot because 
the impression I get from Monica is not that she was putting it on him. You know, like I say, I think she would have been happy with just a loving husband and didn't need all the bells and whistles. But Victor felt that, um, ugh, what's the word? I'm that inferior complex or whatever, you know, he felt the anxiety, inferiority and and shame and anxiety. And I think a lot of that was sort of self play, self manifested, whatever. Um, so yeah, so that once when he, he got his hands on it, it went super dark really fast. And I think that's where a lot of it came from in and around there is that he dove in so deep, so fast that he just, one of those hamster balls. Once it started spinning, you just couldn't get off the ride anyways. It's, yeah, yeah. And and it just got really dark really quick. And I think sort of the fact that he didn't even take his time to sort of explore and see. It was just he got a taste and just went boom. Right? So. Well, I could see. I, I just now I went back through the chapter and I realized that, yeah, it never specified that the skulls were human. So I could see in that case, yeah, if you're just, you know, you're starting on every rat and mouse and bird in the area how quickly that could build things up too if you're if you're going at that pace how quickly the bodies would add up if it's any living creature that comes anywhere close to your capabilities yeah and again this is where we were saying earlier that the site does take a little bit of poetic license it does as it says show you the truth but it shows it is so i mean yeah it could very well be a ton of human skulls hanging over the place but just as because we recognize that as a sign of eerie and death and destruction and badness and no not. Way, but, but yeah either way shape or form yeah it was um but yes there's a lot of really good imagery in this mm-hmm. and you just you know it's bad and harry almost goes there for a sec and then decides nope nope i'm gonna stay not on. today satan not, not today. today i'm gonna stay on the straight and narrow and Bring this guy down the good old-fashioned way on the side of righteousness. Okay. So that uh, brings us to chapter 25. Chapter 25. Harry enters the lighthouse and finds boxes upon boxes of the three-eyed drug, which he realizes is not a drug, but an actual potion. Dresden confronts and disrupts Victor during his spell, but is shot by one of the Becketts. Victor releases his scorpions while Harry is trapped in the kitchen. A lot of the premise in this chapter lays down a lot of parts for the coming books. Mm-hmm. I find that this chapter especially kind of lays the groundwork for three or four other books, which is exciting because we get to reference back to this moment. We can't really say anything now, but we can be like, <laughs> remember in Stormfront, this, 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 and this. So it's a yes. little bit exciting because even from book one early on, this really, really laid the foundation for a lot of early on plot points. Mm-hmm. I don't know, boy, it'll it will be exciting when we we're can about to do. start getting into more of that, and and because I have not delved as far into the theories and machinations of the plot and stuff like that as you. I've just read all the books numerous times and really enjoyed them, and you know my own bits and pieces there. So it'll be interesting to start getting into some of that and have further discussions on. Ooh, that's really good. That like or like I think people are really stretching, and you just like back read that into meaning that. <laughs> there's a lot of that there is a lot of that but that's why it will be fun to get to that and like you say right be like oh this totally relates back to and be like mm, i don't know if that's really what they meant at the time but okay i guess if you squint you can make that work but yes it will get exciting on but yes you're right this is this is the beginning of the end the beginning of the start yes. the end of the start <laughs> well it's the end of the beginning but the beginning of the further and mm-hmm. yep. yeah yeah so, hindsight 2020 
it's the beginning. Yeah. It's 2021. It's like the bait and switch. <laughs> and you get to really go back and be like, oh, fuck. Ooh. Even like, even that moment with the hand or even early on with Susan is like, there's a lot in the books in Stormfront that really sets it up that I think, again, brings a level of mm, Full circle. Legitimacy, legitimacy to the series that it's not like there's clear planning, you know, it's not like, oh, shit, we're going to come up with a some way to fix this plot hole 12 <laughs> books later, you know, like, I find that right from the start, there seemed to be a legitimate plot and direction that was taken. And it's very fun going through Stormfront again, because you get to see some of those moments that do not present themselves for a while. Yeah. But in this chapter, especially, you get a lot of those yeah. moments. And like you say, speculate on which parts were like, legitimate and which parts are just like reckless. <laughs> which I mean even to now you can't which necessarily is, say even though we are all caught up on battleground even some of these moments are like but wait because it still isn't settled you know did he did he not did it, ooh. Like, you yeah. waited so long for peace talks and battleground to settle so many questions and all it did was give more and I'm like okay so we still don't know anything damn right. you more butcher. predictions <laughs> yeah that's a sign of a good author. And yet just still enjoyable. I'm gonna say, I was yes. like, you know, like the whole uh, Fault in Our Stars sort of aspect thing, where it's like the book didn't have a legitimate ending because cancer just kills you sometimes and you don't get a proper ending. So the Fault in Our Stars just ends at one point. Yeah. And so I think, like, what if he just yeah, does that to us? Like, just like, like, <laughs> like Dresden just gets killed and it's like, there you go, story's done, and he, nothing gets answered or put to rest. <laughs> do not listen, Butcher. Do not do that. Yes, no, please. Uh, please give us resolution. Yes, please. Sorry, the dude died. What am I going to do? <laughs> Scratch it out in his blood for the last chapter. Wait, must finish diary. I know, like, you feel like at that point enough people have met him. It's like, please, everyone. <laughs> but hey. So, Harry, it's almost sad. He starts off and he's like, that image of the house will never leave me. Mm -hmm. And it is sad because the sight comes up and up and up again and again and again throughout the book. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But it's important to remember that none of these moments fall in the way of any of the others. Each and every time you see through the sight, that's with you as real as any other image with the sight, as real as any image you are seeing and perceiving at this exact moment. Yeah. So never fade. Everything never we just spoke dilute, about, that's never forever. Twists and morphs. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, and I mean, again, we just had this whole talk about this power imbalance when he looked upon that scene, and that temptation is kind of going to always be there forever now in that exact form. That's true, that too. will be there forever from now until Battleground. Yeah. And Beyond. however much longer he lives after that. <laughs> he, it makes me think that wizards have one hell of an immense memory because if they're stuck with all of the, the third eye visions that they have, they must be, if they didn't have an amazing memory, they'd be babbling idiots. And that's part of the discipline is like not using it because it can answer a hell of a lot of your questions right from the start. But otherwise you cost. end up with a fuck ton of memories just plaguing you. And it's been said before, if you don't know how to use the site or you don't know when to stop the site or you use it too often, exactly, you become a bubbling mess. It so a lot of the time, you know, yeah. a lot of wizards are like, look, we, we could mm -hmm. just look at this right off the bat but if we do that every single time then it's yeah. gonna be real we, quick we you can know? cut straight to the chase and figure out the answer every time but what is the it, price exactly we're, and i mean we're gonna end up in a padded room 
in like five years. And you right. think like <laughs> and, and we got like five hundred to go. <laughs> as this will come up with um, as later books go on, a lot of the time wizards or other supernatural creatures are like telling Harry to slow down. Like you've done more in your life in, you know, five years than any of us have done in five hundred, you know, that's insane. <laughs> Sit the fuck down and stop. But even to a regular wizard that's not living the life that Harry is, to a point, I mean, if you use your third eye once a month for a decade, that is 120 times, 120 images that are there permanently forever. Like, that would be an insane amount. Because, like, I that personally... That would be my math skills gone. Well, I've been yeah. alive for 24 <laughs> years, and I've barely got the last week memorized. Like, <laughs> right. I'm not recalling anything in perfect detail. And if I was, I think I would be crazy. And that's... You know, nothing to a 500-year lifespan. So it is a little bit, I mean, and it's not that Harry uses his eyesight all the time. He himself is also disciplined about this. He tends to make a point that when he does it, it is a last resort. Most of the time. Yeah. More when, or less speaking. He has his reasons when he does use it. It's not every single book, every single situation he's pulling it up. Yeah. But and it is sometimes for very brief glances like this, you know, he sort of did seem to take a whole good look around the property and take it in you know sometimes he seems to sort of flash a bit more so we can just see what he needs to but without taking in too much you know and i think that's a lot of his point like the the detriment of the third eye drug of the drug is that exactly is is you're not turning it off you're waiting for this high to leave you and whatever you see victor's not giving anyone a choice yeah they're not prepared right they don't know what's gonna come they don't know how to deal with it when it does they have no choice in turning it off and exactly right so like you say when you come across the pixie in the park man that's the best high you'll ever have and you got no problem spending three hours living in that bliss and tranquility but you find yourself at victor's like victor's house and (laughs) motherfucker's gonna lose it (laughs) you're going on a killing spree you're jumping in the lake and what right like that's the thing is that exactly it takes away even monica sells saying that the the atrocities that she saw she still wanted Wanted more more. yeah and so that's yeah that's the thing is that a lot of this and this is where he comes into you know before and like his problems with victor when he's like i went to school like it's not just about learning how to be flashy and cool and stuff like that but it's learning like you know with great power comes great responsibility and all that it's even like yeah even on in early books like again like he's really good at laying the groundwork and you can point out from book one two three four five how it's relevant in eight nine ten eleven twelve but i still feel like the first few books ended a little bit more and now the books don't end. It's like, no. you know, from like book like seven to seventeen, it's like all one long. Welcome to Harry's <laughs> life. <just> <laughs> I know. It's seriously. It's like even like you know like the I, books I, are I, chapters. They yeah. really are. Yeah. Yeah. Chapters in his life. Chapter seventeen or chapter fifteen, chapter sixteen, chapter seventeen. They just have to be a book long. Sub chapter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's harsh. So uh, Harry. You know, shakes off this magical vision mm-hmm. and uh, walks towards the house and realizes that there's no traps, which shows the inexperience of uh, Victor. Or the arrogance. Yes, that's... Because he really doesn't think Harry's all that 
shit. You sure, know? he'll be dead in 20 minutes. Yeah, he totally <laughs> thinks he's a badass, totally thinks he has the upper hand, totally thinks, like, who's living in the schoolhouse, eh? Just because you're, yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah, so whether he's just inexperienced to not know or think of laying magical booby traps or whether he's just got his head too far up his ass to worry he has yeah which is mostly why harry popped the site in the first place it wasn't really to he sort of figured this was a place of bad juju but basically exactly he didn't want to be surprised by anything and yeah there's there's nothing laying in wait for him that way so mm-hmm. he drops the site and well right before he drops the site he kind of uses his like x-ray vision like the spell casting is like so pungent on victor that he's like everyone's upstairs cool done yeah <laughs> like hey wait a second <laughs> but he does get that quick like and and takes the moment to go through the bottom and like you can see like the aura and essence mm-hmm. of people so i guess that's kind of what it he does it, it checks out on. yes yeah but well, he uses good old pi sense and walks in and hears the sound of music and the sound of sigh from somewhere <laughs> manages to go into the living room it's called setting a scene <laughs> and figures out that they're upstairs and that the music is downstairs so it's- yeah and he does he, he shuts off the music no ambiance tonight shuts it well, off not, not a fireball. Yeah. <laughs> snoops around a bit first before he gives away like it kind of like it like that he's like at first i made sure to stay like far away from the stereo so I wouldn't fuck it up with my magic and then when he decides to announce his presence what he does is blow up the fucking <laughs> and then like levitates himself to the next floor I landing know. too it's like a dramatic Woo! bitch right <laughs> my, my, my coat billowing like Batman's cape which he never does again he never levitates himself throughout no, the series again so it's very like funny that. that just in this moment he's like, okay um, but yeah he levitates Le- himself so finds, to the second so finds floor. like yeah all this big massive and I mean it's kind of like he's got like absinthe and stuff which is great. I've never tried this stuff, but presumably mm-hmm. it's. But he's got like freaking like ammonia and stuff. <laughs> like this is not what I want to drink. Coyote, like, like well, yeah, even that is, is at least an ingestible substance but well he's got yeah. a number of different ones so absinthe ammonia peyote alum antifreeze and other nefarious items yeah so like the alum and the the antifreeze and the, the ammonia are just like right? Brutal. We, we, wow, we talk got, about not knowing what your stuff is cut with like, we got a really early like why don't you just, you know, shoot some Drano? Yeah, mm. fuck. But that's the thing, though, is Good. that we got this early on potion making 101 with Harry early on, and there is not always consumable items that go into it. Well, that's not that's the point. Right. That's You're true. looking that's for You're- spirit, body, taste, imagery. It's not really about mm, what does the FDA approve for <laughs> <laughs> smoothies, you know? It's more about... Fair. It, it, that's, it's, that's true. I the suppose. energy and intent behind the ingredient more than the ingredient. Yes, itself. once you've infused what it with it? The, magic, the, the it might change the composition. The, or the five senses. You have the five senses, the mind, and the body. So it's seven ingredients. Okay. Uh, maybe eight with spirit. Eight. Which I really doubt that that Victor knows that it has to be seven ingredients. So these are probably really incomplete potions at that. Yes and no, but well, it no, is he determined that it. he has legitimate spell books that were given to him by legitimate sources. It's a little bit still shaky on who those sources are, and okay. we will get to that in a few books. But, but yeah, but remember, it does say, because remember we said Billy's got to be, because we figured 
Jenny was around 12 or 13, and he said Billy was like a year or two younger, right? So I'm guessing he's in that 9 to 11 range or whatever, and she said that Victor discovered the magic when Billy was about four. Right. So we're so talking like up to five to seven while. years kind of a thing, right? So yeah, he probably... I just got the impression, though, that he was inexperienced due to what... The, the he has no formal training from a it. teacher, but he does have... He has... And as we'll get around to other stories, too, there are magical occult places within the city that are legitimate. You have to weed them out from the it's others. Like, it's but, like in Buffy. There's a magic shop to go to. And if you're, you know, Susie in high school, you go there to buy your sage and, and your crystals and your tarot decks and... You know, and if Susie you're Buffy tarot. and Tarot, yeah, Monica, <laughs> Tarot cards. Um, like, you almost played it a little bit too subtly there, Monica. <laughs> like, whist through Dresden's nuts. But anyways, um, but yeah, but if you're like Buffy or Giles or Willow, you're going there and you're asking for the Orb of Thessala, which actually was a Jenny. Um, you know, and not just for a paperweight. Jenny Callender asked for the anyways. Orb of Thessala. It's a whole thing. Um, but anyways, yeah, so exactly. So it's like, it's, it caters to, yeah, if you don't really know, there's your lightweight, whatever. And then for those that know what is going on and how to access it. So, and again, it could be sort of like a little bit of an exponential thing. Like he could have had a really slow learning curve to begin with while he first started sort of scrambling around. And then once he finally hit on, okay, this is the shit and how you do it. The last couple of years could have been a lot more intense for his legitimate knowledge and practice and stuff like that, right? So, yeah, I, I sort of get the impression that the drug hasn't been around for that long. Um, but like I say, where he started dabbling or, you know, it was more... And again, like he figured out like anger worked better than lust. But even before the lust, it was much the learning curve. So we've only got about a year or two of him being well, he only lost a his- legitimate practitioner when he lost his job and had the time to dedicate yeah because i was gonna say it's just in the last couple of years that he lost the job so exactly it could have been a lot more back burner hobbyist before and then yeah without you know a job to keep him busy and with the feeling of failure and and stuff like that with that um is yeah like i say where he's where he's really poured it on in the last couple so anyways harry drag races himself up to the lex landing <laughs> and he well, very early on i mean <laughs> very you know <laughs> suave snooty behavior he like chucks a film canister <laughs> in the middle of this uh, foray and it's very dramatic and sassy and <laughs> i know it's like right it right like victor's like he's got the the sharpened spoon ready to come down harry's like about to and he's like i i got a film canister <laughs> <laughs> No, he's like, it, it that's was, my magic bullet. Yeah. <laughs> An empty piece of plastic. Ha ha. Like, yeah. It wasn't <laughs> <totally> <laughs> spectacular, but it was a real physical object thrown by a real physical person. And thankfully, that's all I need to fuck up the circle. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you say, it comes in all dramatic and happen and swish. And then it's like, oh, uh, uh, yeah. Well, he does manage to, uh, well, Victor's, Victor, sorry, tries to throw a fire spell at him and, and, uh, Harry throws a wall spell up that protects his himself. Shield spell, yes, a shield. Yeah, not as um, energy efficient. No, or especially as directed as he would normally like or be able to do with his bracelet. 
Um, but he still manages to get something in the way of him. And But, it, I mean, again, like, he kind of wins himself real early on. I mean, fire, fireball to the radio, levitate to the platform, shield from the fireball, <laughs> and without any of his... Any of his shit on and him is pretty much like, like, okay, <laughs> Harry blows his so, wad yeah, pretty like, early in the orgy is what you're saying. Well, hey, and, uh, you know, he kind of has to figure this out later on in books <laughs> as it goes on, you know, but... Pace yourself, it's all about pacing. For real, but book one, you know, <laughs> he goes back to the basics and, you know, kicking and punching because... That's about all he's got the energy left to do. <laughs> well, and he was really lucky because in the last chapter, last couple of chapters, he tried to use a wind spell with the the elevator and blew it through almost nearly the ceiling. So the twelve stories. True, yeah, and he then he levitates himself much. like two hours later. Like he's this like, went perfectly no, fine I got earlier. This. I got it this time. I got <laughs> I, it. No, I'm I know what I did wrong last time. Watch this. <laughs> That's the, called learning the, on the job. Right? <laughs> it's called adapting and, and <laughs> on the fly. Fast on your feet. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, gets a, he gets a hit in on v- Victor. Yeah, he, re- he resorts to physical... Because um, he's fucking out of magic and now. It, he it's just a little. Well, this is what I like with him. It's a little bit of both with Harry. Part of it is like I'm out of magic. Part of it is like they never expect, right? Mm-hmm. Like again, it's kind of like with Susan and the perfume. They never expect I'm going to smell her perfume and know it's her. Inquisition, the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> um, right. That it must have been something mystical that he identified her. And same thing, right? He's like Victor's just expecting this to be. Nothing but a full-out magical brawl the whole way, and Harry's like, "I'm just gonna fucking run up and punch him!" Like they, they, they never does. see that coming. I don't know why, but they never see that coming. So it's one of his. Yeah, it becomes a go-to. But, but yeah. listen, as someone who has zero magic and can't fully understand, I feel like so many of these people are so punchable. Like I get it. Like, right? <laughs> yes. And right? I feel like people would have more catharsis if they just got to hit Harry too. Like. This nonstop throwing spells cannot feel as gratifying as a good solid hit could, you know? Whack upside well, the head. Unfortunately, yeah. what he didn't think of is the Becketts, who are also non magical, who had a gun. And who have already been established to be pro Victor. Like, right? Right? Shoot it's not him. like these are like, oh, like, they're just like some kids off the street Victor's been like putting and they're going to be too scared. Like, no, these are active people who want Victor they were to help. His backers, them. his investors. His kids, like, like, yeah. Like, and Harry's like, no, no, no. As proven in this book many times before, instantly decide who your villain is and give no thought to anyone else. Like, it's Donnie Wise all over again. Like, uh, we, I've had this complaint two or three times in this book now. He completely like, no, no, I will uh, acquit you right off well, the bat and move on to the rest I don't of my think shit. That's, I don't think he's acquitting the Beckets at all. I think no, he just but he consistently foolishly like, forgets about them. He gets, again, while he's busy mocking Victor and how Victor's focused like, oh, just on magic. Muggles. Fuck the muggles. Yeah. He completely forgets about, yeah, these other two people. And um, how much earlier was he saying how effective a gun was? <laughs> and Harry right? gets shot in the and hip. And Harry gets shot in the hip. Yeah. Yeah. So he hides in the kitchen. So he manages to yeah, duck behind a... Okay. Is the kitchen upstairs or does he fall down the stairs? No, 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 it's upstairs. Okay. So, so they're in like a kitchen dining room yeah, okay. sort of area is where well, is the where layout is the of this lake house. <laughs> well, he describes it. So if you want to go back and read the chapter. I didn't read it. <laughs> I didn't read the chapter. So you've got like this den living room on like, I don't know, the main floor front door because he comes in the front door. And then on a, on a raised level, like over open overlooking that 
is where like this kitchen dining room area is and that's where the deck is off of so gotcha yeah so it's like a deck up on big legs that's we found like the canister under there and that's when donnie was up on the deck looking through the kitchen windows taking pictures just describe the skulls now yeah so right (laughs) over top of the house there's this big giant human skull and a kind of purple sickly Uh sort of Uh oozy Uh dripping kind of Uh with little tiny skulls all over slime running down the walls (laughs) so anyways he ducks behind the kitchen so the 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 island it's like an island in the kitchen or something like that is what he's i've seen this cartoon where everyone runs around the island and nobody does anything yes Harry does something so he takes a bone tube and summons the remaining all of his scorpions, which traps him in the kitchen. Yeah, shakes out a bunch more of these little bastards and sends them over. Uh, uh, a gross thing to them. collect. A gross yeah, thing nasty, to collect, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so Harry's got these scorpions coming at him that he, from experience, knows are just going to keep getting bigger and nastier. But... I like this when he like jumps and like dives behind the island counter or whatever. He knocks the broom and like whacks himself on the head with it, right? <laughs> Which at first you think is just kind of a haha funny Harry typical, but Harry's like, "Oh no, wait! I can use this." <laughs> and he he fantasias Sorcerer's Apprentice Mickey Mouse's himself up. <laughs> oh, too soon! Too soon! That's not chamber. Yeah. Did I jump ahead? You jumped ahead. But we're talking about the scorpions. Yeah, not there, and we Mom. leave it at the scorpions. So, go back so, a few paces uh, to what Mom was saying. But basically, he's okay. stuck behind this um, kitchen island kitchen counter. island and the bone tube. You can keep your part. <laughs> but it's... I mean, he wraps it up pretty quickly. I mean, you've got two crazy naked Beckets with guns. You've got Victor Sells making his getaway. This massive storm above. Scorpions everywhere that are only about to get worse. And <laughs> Harry, right at the center of it all, I think his, his exact wording is like, it's a shit night for the home team. It's uh, not looking <laughs> right. good for the home the team. Quarterback. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so he, that was it, because he gets shot in the, in the hip, um, and he crab walks backward into the kitchen, dragging his leg, because that's not responding well since he got shot in the hip. Um, Weird. Right? So yeah, so here he's hiding out. So he's like, he's got a, a room full of a deadly drug, one evil sorcerer on his home turf, two crazies with guns, one storm of wild magic looking for something to set it into explosive motion, and half a dozen scorpions like the one I had barely survived earlier, rapidly growing to movie monster size. Less than a minute on the clock and no timeouts remaining for the quarterback. All in all, it was looking like a bad evening for the home team. <laughs> This concludes our episode 12, Sightseeing. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at freeflowrambling.com and mcanalys.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep magic alive and to see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling, conjure at it by our own risk.